0: From monogamy to polygamy, to monogamy to polygamy, just what is true Mormonism? Next on Polygamy, what love is this? We have produced numerous programs in the past and spent a great deal of time actually and effort presenting how the early Mormon prophets and leadership practiced polygamy. They not only practiced it, their sermons were filled with the preaching of it and the warnings to members of how important polygamy was for their salvation and exaltation. We've quoted from dozens of those sermons and and from other early Mormon teachings as they presented what they called the New and Everlasting Covenant, which is polygamy, and they also called it celestial marriage. Now, we know that the LDS Church disregards what all their former prophets taught about polygamy being essential, that it was a requirement, it was an eternal covenant never to be done away with. We have two examples of their dogmatic teaching on polygamy.
1: Yep, this is from Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses. It is all connected with the exaltation of man, showing how he becomes exalted to be a king and a priest, yea, even a god, like his Father in heaven, without the doctrine that this revelation reveals no man on earth ever could be exalted to be a god. (laughs) Clearly, it <laughs> covers a several things. There doesn't it? They, does it does we talk about that not being a, an important issue anymore of becoming a god? Yeah, yeah. That's what. But the goal he didn't was.
0: think so. No. Uh, He thought uh, and taught exaltation through polygamy. Uh, One must be a polygamist here on this planet in order for him to have a chance of exaltation in the next world. Now that is Mormonism. We have another quote from the President Prophet John Taylor.
1: Also from the Journal of Discourses. Where did this commandment come from in relation to polygamy? It also came from God. It was a revelation given unto Joseph Smith from God and was made binding upon his servants. Joseph Smith told others, he told me and I can bear witness of it, that if this principle was not introduced, this church and kingdom could not proceed. When this commandment was given, it was so far religious and so far binding upon the elders of this church that it was told them, if they were not prepared to enter into it and to stem the torrent of opposition that would come in consequence of it, The keys of the kingdom would be taken from them.
0: Now, that's pretty solid teaching, isn't it? John Taylor was president and prophet. (laughs) Mormons believe their presidents and prophets uh, speak to God, and, and God speaks to them for, on behalf of the people, the members. Taylor said polygamy was given as a binding commandment upon the Mormons, and to stop the practice would mean losing the keys to the kingdom. Now, we haven't talked much about the Mormon (laughs) fundamentalist prophets, those who took the helm after polygamy was discarded by the Mormon church, how they and their succeeding prophets taught their own polygamous members about the necessity of plural marriage. But obviously, from what John Taylor said, the LDS gave up polygamy and subsequently lost the keys.
1: That is... Uh... And how
0: would you <laughs> feel if you'd known that when you was a Mormon, that you had no that keys? That didn't have any
1: priesthood? Oh, gosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that would have been a little frightening, wouldn't it? Yeah. The fundamentalists, of course, picked up the keys. Now they are living the polygamy that the Mormons rejected. So what approach in teaching polygamy did the fundamentalists leaders adopt when they got the keys. How did these men teach polygamy? Now, and We're going to present samples of how they did this uh, on this one and on the next program. It's a two-part series. We're using a book published by Mormon fundamentalists. It was copyrighted in 1944 and written by a polygamist man named Joseph Musser. Musser was a big name in the fundamentalist movement and is easily recognized today by most polygamists. And just for clarity, we want to quickly go through through the so-called line of authority from Joseph Smith to Joseph Musser. Joseph Smith, of course, is the first one to claim that God gave a revelation to practice polygamy. Later, John Taylor claimed he had a vision to continue the practice. Taylor passed the polygamy sealing authority to John W. Woolley, and he gave that authority also to his son, Lauren C. Woolley. And then Lauren Woolley created what is called the Council of Friends and ordained six men as high priests. Among them was Leslie Broadbent, who became the first to lead what is now the FLDS community in Short Creek oh. it wasn't called FLDS then right. uh, John Y Barlow was next in line he led the group from 1935 to 1949 and it was in 1935 that the Kingston group was established but they were not part of the Short Creek group group however each group that, that was formed claimed that they alone had the keys right. to the priesthood authority now right. they can't all be right but they can't all be wrong After John Barlow died in 1949, Joseph Musser was presiding elder, but because of power and authority disagreements, Musser left the Short Creek group, and it was soon after that, in 1954, that the All-Red polygamy group was established. And I think Musser had a big part in doing that. Now, we want to stop for just a moment on the power and authority disagreements, because that's really foundational in why there's so many polygamy groups, uh, Mormon polygamy groups in the uh, Intermountain West. Um, but there, there has been power and authority disagreements through the years, and this has happened numerous times. Actually, in a lot of the Mormon um, sure. religions, because sure. there's several of them. Many of them. Yeah. Now, power plays actually happened after Joseph Smith died. And many people believe that his son, Joseph Smith the Third, was supposed yeah. to be the leader of the group, but instead, Brigham Young took control, and he brought the Mormons west. One reason that we have so many different Mormon. Fundamentalist polygamy groups is because certain men wanted power that they didn't get. So they would make and take followers, leave the group they were in, and form their own group and claim that God took the power keys and gave them to Him. Of course, power play is not God's way. There's no power play with Him. In fact, this is how Jesus taught on that subject. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, from Matthew chapter 20, 25 through 28.
0: Jesus would have no different. part Yeah, he yeah. had no part of people who fight to grasp for power and authority over others Jesus came as a humble servant and expects those who are his true followers to follow in his footsteps and serve not fight for authority or lord authority over anyone else and the only keys to be had were the ones that Jesus gave to Peter which was the gospel message that Peter taught in Acts chapter 2 uh, and then the keys, of course, are no longer needed because the door to heaven was opened when Jesus died and the veil in the temple was split in two. The door remains open until Jesus himself shuts it. We don't need keys for open doors. So there's no keys for anyone. Now, power plays and authority grasping are not God's way. Jesus Christ is our only authority. And he has all authority. He alone has high priesthood authority. And he's the only mediator between God and all humans. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. And Joseph Smith was not given a newer and better covenant than the covenant Joseph Smith bought and paid for on the cross. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, (laughs) yes.
1: And in Hebrews 9.1 it says, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary.
0: So we're talking about covenants here right. because the, the, they brought in the new and everlasting covenant called polygamy. So we have to establish biblical authority on covenant. The first covenant here was regulation, of course, the, the one that Moses got on Mount Sinai. And it was given through Moses, which included civil and moral laws and also regulations for proper worship of God. But it failed to curb sinners. Because laws and ordinances have no power to make anyone perfect. God's covenant of grace was given through Jesus Christ. Another covenant was not needed through Joseph Smith unless you believe Jesus failed. We have another quote.
1: Uh, quote. Hebrews 8 6 but the ministry Jesus has received is as superior is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one and it is founded on better promises
0: the new covenant was given through Jesus Christ it is superior just as Jesus is superior therefore there was no need for a Joseph Smith another
1: quote yeah hebrews chapter 7 24 through 26 Because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens.
0: That can never be said about any man, and not Joseph Smith either. And no polygamy is mentioned in those verses, right? Right. Jesus is our only high priest, being able to completely save the souls of those who come to God through him. There is no room for or mention of a newer covenant or a required covenant of celestial marriage. It's all on Jesus. And he alone is able to accomplish our eternal life without the need for 19th and 20th century polygamists bringing in a false new and everlasting covenant which requires a woman to share her husband. Now, Earl, do you suppose, as I was putting all this together, I thought, I wonder if that's one reason Nelson wants to get rid of the word "mormon" because it's so attached to polygamy?:
1: Yeah, I don't know if that'll happen, but I, I agree with you. I think that's one question everyone always asks about, "Oh, you're a Mormon, so do you have many wives? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do you believe in polygamy? I, I'm sure it's kind of a follow-up question to, I to the, Are you Mormon? It's yeah. possible to separate them as far away as they can.
0: I wonder if that's yeah. it. Anyway. Back to Joseph Musser and his book entitled Celestial or Plural Marriage, the Mormon Marriage System. Now, the foreword of this book, of course, establishes the purpose of his work and is so filled with error, we thought that's where we would begin. (laughs) And of course, our standard to point out errors is the Bible. As always, we use the Bible to prove or disprove everything the Mormons and polygamists teach because they call it divine revelation, what they believe. And it's important to research what people claim God said rather than just sit back and believe it because they said it. So we're going to begin with the first sentence of the fourth paragraph in the forward section of his book, and we quote.
1: Yeah, You just wonder where they get this stuff. The principle of plural marriage under divine regulation has existed since the beginning of time. It is natural, logical, and biological in its concepts.
0: Yeah, so they just say it and it makes it true. And yeah, we're going to talk about just that say a little it. bit. Now, there's absolutely no polygamy until Genesis chapter 4, which was not the beginning of time. Musser has no biblical foundation to say that plural marriage is a divine revel- revelation or that it exists since the beginning. God's divine regulation was monogamy, monogamy, From the beginning. And we've covered all those verses and references on many, many past shows. Jesus himself confirmed that monogamy was from the beginning when he quoted from Genesis. And this is what he quoted:
1: Yeah, from Genesis 2:24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one
0: flesh. So Jesus quoted this in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. So do they believe Jesus or not? That's that's the main question. Musser said polygamy is natural, logical, and biological in its concept. Well, even the Mormons quote the Bible when they say the natural man is an enemy to God. So his argument that polygamy is natural is not a good argument. As for polygamy being logical, that would be only in the minds of the male gender, certainly not in the <laughs> minds of the females. They don't see it as logical at all. Too much manipulation, too much poverty, the dividing up of resources, lack of personal attention of the household, and the father as being a father is experienced in yeah. plural marriages. That's not logical. And as for polygamy being biological, as he said, there is no mention anywhere that anything biological has divine power to achieve eternal life for anyone except what Jesus did for us on the cross. Another quote by Messer.
1: And this is his little summary, I guess. Antagonism to this principle results from ignorance of it and its purpose. (laughs)
0: So it's your fault. Yeah, it's it's always somebody else's fault. You know, many people are antagonistic toward polygamy because they have experienced its terrible treatment and neglect of women and children in polygamy, or they know their Bible and know that a God of love would never command a woman to share her husband. In fact, we have found that most people these days who are liberal in their ideas toward polygamy are the ones who are ignorant of what it's really like, how it is actually worked out behind the closed doors. All polygamists attempt to place a divine purpose on polygamy, but that's impossible. God has ordained monogamy. He cannot contradict himself. There is no such thing as divine polygamy. We have another quote from us,
1: Monogamy in granting the male sexual freedom in the marriage relation while limiting such freedom to the female has proved a signal failure. Oh, monogamy this is a affair. frustrating,
0: frustrating thing to deal with. We, we wonder how monogamy, he said monogamy grants sexual freedom in marriage. How does that t- to the male? How we, we don't know how that is. No. It grants nothing of the kind. If he's saying that males can commit adultery, that they can act as predators searching for sex other than from their spouses, well, women are able to do that as well. And it's just as wrong for a man to have many sexual partners as it is for a woman to have many sexual relations. But God has no double standard. He shows no favoritism. His laws for sexual virtue has always been equal for male and female alike. And we question how monogamy has proven to be a failure, right. as he said it has. Polygamy is a failure. There are numerous studies to draw from, and we've quoted yeah. many of them on the show, that indicate that how harmful polygamy is to women and to children, to teenagers, to young men in polygamy cultures who have no hope of ever even getting one wife. Monogamy has not proven to be a failure. Those who argue that there are problems in monogamy are not using a valid argument to promote polygamy because every institution of humanity has problems, no exceptions. And we so we can't legitimatize polygamy just because monogamous couples face problems. There's a pretty lousy standards for justification. We have another quote.
1: Yeah, he continues. Motherhood is the paramount issue. Deprive women the right to honorable motherhood, and the purpose of creation is thwarted.
0: Really? <laughs> they all go into the motherhood issue. Um, even the Mormon Church does that. You know, all yeah. these pre-existent babies that sit there waiting to yeah. be born and have those babies. And it's the same with the polygamists. Musser here is, is actually doing what Orson Pratt did in his defense of polygamy, that no one should deny a female the right to love and have any man she wants, even if he's already married. He claimed that denying that right to women was inequality. In In other words, Mormon polygamists have male adultery, a religious experience, and even a religious requirement. That's nothing less than blasphemy. God has prohibited adultery and many Bible passages prohibit polygamy. As for motherhood being the paramount issue for womanhood, not true. Besides, even if it were true, There are options for a woman to be a mother without spiritually authorized adultery. Why not adopt children? There's hundreds of thousands of kids around the world that need decent homes and loving parents. If motherhood is such an important issue, why are there women who are barren and cannot conceive? That would be God showing extreme favoritism. Jesus didn't see motherhood as a paramount issue. We quote from, from Luke.
1: Yeah, chapter 11, 20, verses 27-28. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God
0: and obey it. So one is expounding motherhood, and Jesus is not. He said, Blessed rather. Which means that motherhood was not the blessing, that believing and obeying God's word will always be the most important thing. And Jesus did not teach kitchen and bedroom duties for females, as the Mary Martha story (laughs) tells us.
1: Fascinating story (laughs) from Luke chapter 10, verses 39 through 42. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said.
0: Jesus did not support the idea that a woman's place is in the kitchen or in the birthing bed, but her place is following Jesus, and according to him is the most important issue, not motherhood. We would be wise to believe what Jesus taught about womanhood and marriage over what male Mormon polygamists teach (laughs) about it. Now, Jesus defended Mary and her desire to learn from him as being the most important thing than anything else. And it remains that way today. A man and a woman's value is in their personal relationship with God. That's not to say motherhood isn't important. That's not what we're saying at all, because it is. But it is also to say Mormons, Musser, and polygamists place the wrong emphasis on the wrong things. We have another quote.
1: (laughs) From Joseph Musser, monogamy forces a certain percentage of women into celibacy against the injunction that she shall be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth.
0: In other words, every woman should be married and have babies. Of course. Now, the ratio of male-female births are almost equal. Male births are just a little bit higher, but more female children survive infancy than males, and so it kind of equals out to a 50-50 birth rate. Now, death takes male and females alike, babies and children and so on. Both the male and the female were given the blessing, be fruitful and multiply. And God gave that blessing after He created one man and one woman. Okay? Mormon polygamy has always placed too much emphasis on childbearing, women's submission, and male patriarchy, something God never did. And after all that is said, it is absolutely impossible for one man with six wives to produce more children than six men each with only one wife. <laughs> one Next more
1: quote. quote. True Mormonism reflects the laws of nature and the decrees of God.
0: Again, that's just a a flat-out statement. No backing, no No, foundation, nothing. However, that is true Mormonism. But it's not is not from God. But it is true Mormonism, it, it, and he's defining true Mormonism. And maybe that's why Nelson wants to get away from the name Mormon, is because it includes polygamy. And we've always said that polygamists practice true Mormonism, and that yeah. the LDS are Mormon apostates. Yeah, so true. now they really are, because they <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's that—that's uh, another thing that we have already dealt with. But anyway, Musser wrote that true Mormonism, um, which of course is polygamous Mormonism, reflects the decrees of God. But God never decreed polygamy. We've uh, challenged Mormons and polygamists alike for several years to show us one verse, one passage in the Bible somewhere showing God commanded or decreed polygamy, especially polygamy for exaltation. It isn't there. Musser nor any Mormon or any polygamist has no foundation on which they can truthfully claim God commanded a polygamy and that he did so from the very beginning. There's no foundation for that teaching. Now that's all the time that we have for part one. Um, and we are going to finish looking at Joseph Musser's teachings on polygamy next time in part two, and we hope you'll come back and watch it.
1: It's so excellent.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, and there, there are you know I've read several. Of course, we got we got more quotes from Musser as we right. go through this book, but I've read several. Foundational teachings from the fundamentalists, and they all have that same approach. This is the way it is. This is the you know, and and what they're doing is they're saying God told other people. They claim it's backed by the Bible, but there's no backing in the Bible for what they claim God told Joseph Smith and John Taylor and. and well, it's and just all fascinating
1: how they rationalize their living this principle, and and that God has chosen them as the only true church now, and and that they're uh, doing what God's commanded them to do, but no support.
0: Mm -hmm. No support. It just
1: makes these broad statements of
0: (laughs) And that's just it. (laughs) We'll cover that a little bit more in in part two. But, you know, they they say the Bible supports all of this, and even Joseph Smith's translation doesn't have some of the things in it that they claim that the Bible supports it. (laughs) So they're just reading into the the text, making it say what they want it to say. Well, thanks, Earl, so we'll see you next time when we do part two of Joseph Musser's take on plural marriage. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by a Shield and Refuge ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.